Blog Talk Radio. Of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. 
For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. This is important to remember. We're not fighting against people. Okay? Uh, let me just say, Muslims are not our enemies. Okay? Uh, people of different faiths are not our enemies. Our enemy is Satan, the one who leads people astray. Our fight is on a spiritual dimension. Okay? So we need to remember this. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand the evil day. And having done all to stand, stand therefore, having girded your waist with truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace, above all, taking the shield of faith, with which you are able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one, and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, praying always and with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints. And for me, that utterance may be given to me, that I may open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in chains, that in it I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. Dear kind and gracious Heavenly Father, help us as we learn about this spiritual warfare, and as this warfare is on a spiritual plane, as we fight against the powers that lead people away from the truth of your gospel, that lead people away from the morality that you have set before us, as, as Sister Ashley was talking about, that, that leads us in wrong directions. Lord, I pray, Lord, this morning that you would give us clarity and insight as we study your word. And Lord, I just want to ask, Lord, that you would open our eyes that we may see, our ears that we may hear, and our hearts that will apply these truths and be better for it. For it's in Jesus' name we ask all these things. Amen and amen. You may be seated. A few years back, the National Geographic magazine ran an article about, about the Alaskan bull moose. And every fall, uh, the males, these bulls, Alaskan bull moose, they'll get in these competitions to establish the dominance in this area. And what they do is uh, these two huge animals will come at each other with these huge antlers, and they will rear back, and they will clang their antlers together. And the stronger one, of course, is the victor. But you see, the battle that's won in the fall is really won in the summertime. Because the winner of these contests are usually the moose that uh, eats the most, that, uh, that, 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 uh, that consumes the most amount of food possible in order to prepare his strength and to prepare his antlers for the fight ahead. I believe that we have a lot to learn from the Alaskan bull moose. Because as we engage in this spiritual warfare, we have to understand that we need some help. You cannot fight against Satan on your own. You cannot stand against Satan and the wiles of the devil and all the powers of hell by yourself. That's why Paul instructs the church of Ephesus to put on this spiritual armor of God. I, I see Paul sitting in a jail cell. He's probably chained and writing these words, or maybe he's dictating these words to another person, and they're writing it for him. And I see him looking over the corner, and he sees a Roman soldier and all of his garb there, every piece of equipment standing for something, every piece of equipment vitally important for his survival should he engage in combat. 
Likewise, Paul says that the Christian has this spiritual armor and every piece is vital for the Christian survival in this conflict. So in this message, we're going to examine the spiritual equipment of God's armor while noting the importance of wearing this equipment. Now for the first two points, I want us to take a look at the purpose of this armor and then the last point, we're going to piece by piece Look at each piece of equipment in this armor of God. First of all, in verses 10 through 11, we encourage you to follow along with us in the insert if you can and are able to. The equipment serves as a bulwark. B-U-L-W-A-R-K. In other words, it serves as a defense for us. Martin Luther wrote in one of my favorite, favorite songs, favorite hymns of all time. Some people say it's sounds too much like a funeral song, but I love it. I love the words of it. A mighty fortress is our God, a bulwark never failing. Meaning that He is the fence for us. And this equipment of God's armor, we must understand, serves as a, as a defense for us. Paul tells the church of Ephesus here in verse 10, to be strong in the Lord. Does he say to be strong in yourself? No. He says to be strong in who? The Lord. And he says in the power of your might? No. The power of whose might? His, his might. In other words, the only way you're going to win this spiritual conflict is not by saying, hey, I can do all things through me who strengthens me. No, it's, it's by saying I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. The only way you can win this spiritual conflict is if you have God fighting your battles for you. Before we can even go into battle, we must rely on God's strength. As we mentioned before in the first message of this series, James tells us that for the devil to resist you, you must first submit to God and then resist the devil. If you submit to God's authority... If you live in obedience to God's command, you live an obedient life unto Him, and then you resist the devil, then he has, the devil has, no choice but to flee from you. I admit to you that I'm not a perfect person, and I admit to you that I, I defend my family at all costs, and one of those members of our family is our pet cat. Now, I want to thank Janet and Hal. They gave us a wonderful cat, Boo. Uh, he's seven months old, and he is, we're talking about the Carolina Panthers. I think we have served her in our house. Seven months old, and he's almost as long as my arm. He's going to be huge. <laughs> but before Boo, we had a cat named Molly. And we had Molly, Jennifer and I had Molly ever since we, uh, we've been married. And so when we had to put Molly down, it was devastating for us because, you know, pets become like a member of your family. Now, I remember a few years back, it was the summertime, and it was actually warm, and the sun was out late. Oh, my goodness, I missed that. Anyhow, uh, it, it was nice and warm outside, but it just had got dark. And Molly was a cat. She, she was a prowler. She loves to go out, and she loves to prowl. But she'd come in inside at night. Well, we noticed that she wasn't in, and we always got a little bit of, you know, after having lost some cats, and... <laughs> Uh, previously, after lost, losing some cats before, uh, you know, uh, we get a little worried when when, uh, when when she doesn't come around. But when she didn't come up, we wondered something's going on. What's wrong that she's not coming in? Well, we saw the perpetrator. We noticed that there was this other cat that was attacking her and would not let her inside. And so we were outside doing some yard work. And so I thought, uh-uh. So I stomped my foot at that attacking cat to let Molly in, and that cat just kisses at me. 
Well, something slipped inside me, and I grabbed Jennifer's broom, and meanwhile, she's saying, that's a $15 broom, don't you break my broom, don't you break my broom. And I swing this down like a sledgehammer, and I walk that cat in the back hindquarters, and the cat goes running off looking at me like, what in the world did you just do? And hisses at me again. Well, meanwhile, she's getting Molly, bringing it inside, and so here I said, okay, one time wasn't good enough. So I come back with the broom again. Luckily for the cat, my aim is off. I missed the cat. This time he goes running off in the darkness, and yes, I broke her broom. Uh, so uh, I don't know if I ever paid her back for the broom yet or not. That's a few. <laughs> but anyhow, uh, you see, Molly could not fight off this cat on her own power. She was trying to get inside the safety of her home. She was trying her best to fight off this cat. This cat was larger, this cat was meaner than her, and this cat was not letting her into the safety of her home. So she, crying out, needed the power of someone bigger than her to fight the fight for her. Beloved, that's the same principle when it comes to us in this spiritual conflict. We must call upon a power greater than us to fight this fight for us. You can't fight the devil by yourself. You weren't intended to. Let God fight your battles for you. Rely upon His strength. And beloved, I don't know if you've read about the story of Armageddon or not, but if you like good competition, you're not going to like it. Because that day and time, God lowers the boom, game over, end of, end of story. So that's what's going to happen. When God finally has enough and says enough, He's going to say, Son, go bring my children home. Let's put an end to this. And then it's going to be game over. So let God fight your fights for you. You can't fight them by yourself. You weren't intended to. But rely upon the protection that comes from God. Secondly, we see in verses 11 through 13, in verse 20, that this equipment strengthens us for battle. This equipment strengthens us for battle. Look what he says. Put on the whole armor of God. Now, did he say put on some of the armor of God? Did he say, you know, maybe wear the helmet, wear the shield of faith, you know, wear the shield of faith, but don't worry about the other. No. <laughs> he says, put on the whole armor of God. Why? He says, put on the whole armor of God that you may stand against the wiles of the devil. And he goes, goes forth and reminds us in verse 12 that we don't fight against uh, flesh and blood. And the whole reason I mentioned that what I did at the outset of this message was not to get into politics or any type of controversy. It's just to remind us that our, con our conflict is not with people. Our conflict in the end is with Satan and his powers. Understand that. It's very important for us to understand that as we go forth in this conflict that we have at hand. We must resist the devil. Paul tells us that we're at war, and to strengthen us for this battle, we must put on the armor of God. God created us to have a relationship with Him. Therefore, we have a spiritual war engaged. One cannot help but see the evil and the good in the world. If you say this morning, Pastor, I don't believe in evil, then you need to go pick up a Sunday copy of the newspaper. Just peruse the front pages of the newspaper, and you'll see very quickly that evil abounds in this day and time, evil abounds. The equipment allows us to have the comfort of God, the peace of God, and the strength of God so that we can engage in this battle. How many of you are in the fire department? We've got two. Any, any others? Got a third one? <laughs> Future one? There we go. 
Well, let me just ask you, is it important to have your fire equipment on, all of your fire equipment on when you go into a fire? I see some heads shaking. Absolutely. In fact, I spoke with the firefighter before. Uh, he said that, and I asked him one time before, I said, how is it that you can go into a house with all these flames going around? Isn't it hot in there? He said, yeah, of course it's hot. He said, but I go in the house because I trust my equipment. I go in there, I've tested this equipment before, and I know this equipment works, so I trust in this equipment that it's going to work. He can go in there or she can go in there because they have put on all of the armor as they go into this burning building. It's important that as when we understand the enemy, it's important to understand that we put on all of this equipment so that we can be strengthened for the battle because understand something and understand this very well. Every single one of you, including myself, we have strengths and we have weaknesses. Amen? You know your weaknesses. Guess what? The devil does too. And he's not going to be trying to attack your strengths. He's going to be trying to attack your weaknesses. So understand that. He's going to be, maybe, maybe you're like me. Patience is not always a virtue. You know what, you know, the devil will sometimes, I've got to try to put you in a circumstance, or maybe it's God, I don't know, where you hit every red light and you're thinking, man, my patience is being tested. It may be in some other areas. The devil knows your weaknesses, so it's important that you have this armor on so that you can stand up opposed to the wiles of Satan. And lastly, we see that this equipment in verses 14 through 19 solidifies us as a battalion. As a battalion, you know, when you have a battalion, an army, uh, a group of soldiers coming together, it's important to have all of them working together as a unit so that there can be success. Ultimately, I believe as we watch the Super Bowl coming up here in a week, uh, the team that, that acts the, in greatest unity will most likely be the victors. It's important that the team works together to be able to, to stand successful in the end. This equipment of God's armor solidifies us as this battalion, all of them working together. Again, as I mentioned before, Paul most likely looks at this Roman soldier and he notices how every piece of equipment is important for this soldier. And then he looks at the Christian and says, Listen, if all of these pieces of equipment are important for the Christian survival in this spiritual conflict. We see two groups of equipment as we look at this armor of God, we first of all see the defensive equipment. They say that uh, in football, that good offenses win games and good defenses win championships. We see here that a defense is very important so that you can stand opposed to the wiles of the devil. First of all, we see that he says in verse 14, Stand therefore, having girded your waist with truth. In other words, we see first and foremost the belt of truth. This belt was kind of like a girdle. No, it wasn't a touch the tummy in. It's not that kind of a girdle. It was a girdle which was used for two purposes. First of all, everyone in those days wore robes. The first purpose of this belt was to hike your robe up. Because you know what? If you're in battle and you're tripping over your robe, how successful are you going to be? Not very successful at all. Now, Jennifer, she sometimes teases me. She says, honey, you got your pants pulled up too high. To which my response is, well, honey, it's better for them to be up too high than it is for them to fall down. <laughs> It'd be good for no one. 
she still gets on me and says, well, pull them down anyhow. <laughs> but anyhow, this belt holds up the road for maneuverability so that one can maneuver around so that one could, uh, could go into battle without having to worry about tripping over one's rope. It also served as a holster for one's weapons, kind of like a, those old westerns you see. The gunslingers, you know how they have the holsters to pull them out? It's kind of like that, except for the swords. It was a holster, and it also served to, uh, to protect one in their journey. Likewise, we see that the Christian is girded about with the belt of truth. You can go into battle with the knowledge that this isn't some fairy tale, that this is built upon the solid truth of what actually happened 2,000 years ago. If Christ has not been risen from the dead, Paul tells us we're still in our sins and there's no hope. But if Christ has been risen from the dead, which guess what he has been, then that means that you are saved, that means that you're on the right path, that means that God is on your side, and if God is for you, guess what? No one, including the devil, can be against you. So if you're girded about with the belt of truth, beloved, you're on the right path. Secondly, we see the breastplate of righteousness. He says, uh, having put on the breastplate of righteousness, now this breastplate was called the thorax, the thorax covering uh, two parts, the upper part and the lower part of one's abdomen and came around the back. Now this is important to understand. This breastplate covered the front. They did this intentionally. This breastplate covered the front, but it didn't cover the back. You know why? Because if you're in battle, you need to be moving forward. If you hightail it and run the other direction, guess what? You're on your own. That's what the Roman Empire was saying. You stay true to the Roman Empire, you keep moving forward, you're going to be protected. But if you turn around and go the other direction, you're on your own. There's a great principle Paul was telling us. When we talk about righteousness, when we talk about living holy lives, understand, living a holy life is not going to bring you salvation. For it's by grace that you're saved through faith, and it's the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. But when you live a life according to what God has called you to live, you're putting on this breastplate of righteousness, protecting yourselves from the attacks of Satan. Because understand, you should know your weaknesses. The devil knows your weaknesses as well. If you turn away from the pathway that God has established for you, then you're open to the attacks of the devil. That's why it's important that we live a life of righteousness according to what God has called us for and called us to. Thirdly, we see the shoes of peace. These boots, uh, he says, having the preparation of the gospel of peace, having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. These shoes, these boots protected the shin and the feet from thorns. Now, I don't have very tough feet, so if I go out on gravel, I'm doing this little number as I'm, as I'm walking out there because my feet are, I'm a tenderfoot, I guess you'd say. I have to have on shoes. And heaven forbid, we've got some trees out in the backyard that's got the, it's a buckeye tree, I think it is. They've got thorns on that thing about getting big. You step on one of those bad boys, and you're definitely going to be dancing for a while. The only way you need to go out there is if you have your feet protected uh, with shoes. And what we see here is that we can go forth preaching and teaching the Word of God because of the peace that God gives us. That means that you can face almost any circumstance if you're relying upon God because no matter what you're facing, He'll give you peace. Amen? He'll give you peace. 
We also see the shield of faith. Look what he says. Taking the shield of faith with which you were able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one. This shield was called the scutum, and it was as large as one's body. And this was a this was a massive piece of equipment. In fact, it was made of five plates, two brass, two tin, and one of gold. This thing was probably pretty heavy, I would say, being that big. But it was nearly impenetrable. As long as you held this thing, and this is what made the Roman Empire so tough. If you held this thing in front of you, people could shoot arrows, people could try to hit it with swords. There was nothing getting through that thing. As long as you held it up in front of you and kept moving forward. Guess what? There's something even more powerful with this. What the Roman army used to do is they would not only take one individual shield, but they would have a battalion of soldiers bringing their shields together so that they could start moving forward. And at this time, there wasn't hardly anything that any army could do against them because they kept moving forward and they couldn't penetrate these large shields that they possessed. Now, what is your shield? It's faith. What is faith? It's that trust and dependence that you have upon God for your salvation, the trust and dependence that you have upon God that He's going to help you do uh, the right thing, that He's going to help you get through uh, difficult circumstances. And I think there's a great principle here as well. You take a person with a shield of faith, you take some more people with a shield of faith, and you add them together, guess what? You have a powerful thing. And beloved, I think that's what the church is. As we all bring a shield of faith together, we align them side by side, and we fight this battle together, having trust and dependency upon God Almighty. You know what? If we submit to God and we resist the devil together, then really, he's going to try, but he's going to have a whole lot harder time getting in. Amen? We also see the helmet of salvation. Look what he says. And take the helmet of salvation. This helmet protected the head. and That's a very important thing to protect. But this helmet also had the logo of whatever empire one was serving. Just kind of like a football helmet. Think of it like a football helmet. You have the logo of the individual team on the side of the helmet. What I think Paul shows us here is that this helmet represents the salvation that we have in Christ Jesus we are God's, and God is ours. Just to think about this relationship that we have with God Almighty, that He is on your side, and you are fighting for Him. And beloved, if that's the case, then nobody can stand opposed to you, beloved. Nobody can stand opposed to you. So we not only see the defensive equipment that we have, but we also see the offensive equipment. It's not just that we're fighting by, by, by defending ourselves, we can actually move forward for the cause of Christ. And I think we find two pieces of offensive equipment. First of all, we see the sword of the Spirit. He says, and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Anybody have a sword with them today? If you got your Bible, why don't you hold it up? <laughs> right there is your sword. That's what he says. Right there is your sword. And I'm going to tell you, this may be a book, but this is stronger than anything ever created. This is stronger than anything on planet Earth. It is the Word of God. Now, I remember very well, and in fact, let me just say this before we move into this. I know time's getting away from us. But they actually had three different types of weapons they would carry with them. They had a long sword, which they could fight from a distance. They had short swords, which they would come in 
at a short distance. And they had these battle axes that they would carry, which were just like these uh, huge axes that they would just pound away at the enemy. Likewise, I think this Word of God serves in all three purposes because it is able to attack in ways that nothing else can. It can attack from long range. It can attack from short range. It can be like the battle axe penetrating uh, walls that we could never thought uh, we could break through before. The Word of God just does that. <coughs> I'm reminded very well of my grandpa Chilton. And I used to spend a lot of time with Grandma and Grandpa for the first five years of my life while Mom and Dad were at work. i stay out at Grandma and Grandpa's house. And Grandpa, he, uh, being a World War II vet, you know, he, uh, he, uh, he always had his pipe. I don't know if that was a Navy thing or not, but he always had his pipe in his mouth. And I remember very well he'd go out to his smokehouse in his old tool shed, and he would take his lawnmower blades. And this is a... I just have this image even now as I'm thinking. His Grandpa with the smoke coming up from his pipe... And him with the blades, and he's sharpening these blades and uh, against this grinder, and sparks flying everywhere. Smoke coming from his pipe, sparks flying everywhere, and he's sharpening these blades, getting them nice and sharpened. Now, why did he sharpen those blades? Because the more you sharpen it, the better it cuts. Amen? The more you sharpen it, the better it cuts. What does that tell us about the Word of God? If you want to keep this sword sharp, you know what you need to do? Read it. <laughs> Read it. Study it. Get in the Word of God because the more you do that, the more you're sharpening your sword, the more you're preparing for the fight. Now, if you have it up on the shelf and it's gathering dust, then your sword's not being sharpened very much. But if you take it down and you're in it and you're studying it and you're being affected by the power and presence of Almighty God, then, beloved, you are sharpening your sword and you are ready for the fight. Lastly, some people don't believe that this is a weapon, but I have to say I do. I, I believe this is a weapon. Many uh, soldiers would have uh, bow and arrows and slingshots so that you could have a long-range attack on your enemy. I believe that prayer is also a weapon because I believe in the power of prayer. Amen? I believe in the power of prayer, and I believe that God can do mighty things through the power of prayer. In fact, by praying for someone, that's like that long-range boat. You can be praying for someone to clear across the other side of the world, and guess what? You're going to have an impact by the prayer of faith that you pray. Understand this, he says, in praying always, uh, in all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, being watchful to this sin with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints. Power is found in prayer. Prayer is a very powerful thing, beloved. We just have to ask ourselves, do we use it? Do we have all of these pieces of equipment of God's armor on? It's important if we're going to make it in this spiritual fight that we not just have one or two pieces of equipment, but we have all of them and strengthening these equipment, strengthening, trusting in the power and presence of Almighty God. Let me close with this. A little boy one day was trying to pick up a rock. He told his dad, he said, Dad, this rock is too heavy. I can't lift it up. And dad says, are you using all your strength? To which the boy grunted and moaned and tried to pull this rock up. And he says, Dad, I can't move it. And dad says, are you using all your strength? And again, this boy just struggles. He can't even lift one edge of it off. He says, Dad, I can't move this thing. And the dad says, son, you're not using all your strength. 
He says, Dad, I am using all my strength. He says, no, you're not. He says, because I'm here, and I can be your strength. You can ask me, and I can lift the rock for you. So guess what he did, and the dad moved the rock for him. The principle is this. There are many things in life that you can't do by yourself. Now, I know that's a shot in the arm to us because we want to think that we can do everything and we can do everything by our own power. But to win this spiritual conflict in your life, you are going to have to trust in the power and presence of Almighty God. You're going to have to depend upon Him and let Him fight the fight for you. Now, that's tough. Because if you like me, I'm not one who likes roller coasters because... I don't like where it takes me, and I don't like uh, giving up control to that piece of metal, not knowing where it's taking me. But in this road, this roller coaster of faith that we live upon, we must trust and depend upon the power and presence of God, even if we don't understand and don't know where that pathway is going to take us. If you want success in this spiritual fight, put on the whole armor of God. Let God fight your fights for you. And you know what? He will. And I believe that you'll find the power of love and peace in His presence in a more mighty way if we put on the whole armor of God. Dear kind and gracious Heavenly Father, we thank You for the opportunity to read Your Word. We thank You for the opportunity to put on this armor that You've given us. And Lord, we just simply ask this morning, Lord, if there's someone here today, first and foremost, we know that there's no way that we can win unless we have You as our Savior. And so if there's someone here today who's never received you as Savior in God, we would just pray that you would work on that person's heart to bring that person down, Lord, and allow them to to receive you as their personal Savior in God. Maybe there's someone here today, maybe they've been struggling, and maybe they want to rededicate their life afresh and anew unto you. We encourage you to lead that person to you so that they can solidify and strengthen the armor of faith, the armor of God. Maybe there's someone here today who would like to join the ministry of Huntsville Baptist Church. Whatever you're doing and saying, we just pray that you'd have your will and your way in this time of invitation. For we ask all these things in the name of Jesus. Amen and amen. If you would please stand as we sing our final selection.